when you're watching this, actually it'll be the week of Thanksgiving. And um, this is actually a message that would be applicable at any point in time and is just actually good for heart health, of having a healthy heart um, and cultivating our life in Christ. Um, and in full disclosure, <laughs> Um, I have to say, Hilltop community, if you have been with me for any amount of time, um, I really thrive off of being with our people and face-to-face -face and being able to connect. Um, and so as you've probably noticed over the past few months that we've been doing kind of these recordings um, and coming to you this way, um, for me, it's actually much more of a strain where I normally enjoy public speaking and I specifically enjoy teaching the word and bringing the word. Um, it's life-giving to me. This has been a completely different challenge. Um, I will say I miss seeing faces. Um, but I, I want to encourage you that for me personally, I'm just going to take a different approach today as before where it feels like I'm looking at a camera and I don't get to be with you. I'm just going to kind of visualize individuals of you that I miss, that I love and speak directly to you, <laughs> those of you that we love. And so um, this is really an important message. And if you've been at Hilltop for any amount of time, um, you have likely actually heard me share this story that I'm actually going to open up with. And so what we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about gratitude. We're going to talk about Thanksgiving. Um, but we're going to talk about it from a little bit of a different angle, because oftentimes when we think about Thanksgiving, we think about thanking God for all the blessings in our life, right? And that's kind of even when we're around the Thanksgiving table, um, we kind of are all reflecting on, you know, the generic, and I hate to say that it's generic, but it is, you know, like our house, our family, our dog, our car, and food to eat, um, which those are all things to be thankful for. Um, but there is really a greater posture of gratitude that we have to not only cultivate, but press into as people. And that's actually what we're gonna talk about today. And in that greater posture of gratitude, really what it comes down to, and this is kind of the question that gets addressed, is what are we living for and what are we living unto? And if you think about gratitude, it's very easy to thank God for the blessings um, because to some degree, those are self-fulfilling and self-gratifying and they're meeting our expectations of what we need, what we want and what we deserve. But then when we have kind of like the hard things in our life and the challenging things in our life or the things that we wouldn't do it that way if we were God kind of things, <laughs> when we have those things, those are really, really hard to be thankful for. And that's kind of where we have to understand the sovereignty of God, but the mystery of that somehow, I don't know how he does it, but that he works all things together for our good. So can we believe as a community that even the hard things he can work together for our good. And so I've shared this story with you guys before, um, if you've been around for any amount of time, is that if you read the, the book, The Hiding Place, and I actually watched the movie as a child, um, I highly recommend it. Um, if you read um, anything about it, 
basically there's, I'll just give you kind of the backdrop so you understand, is it was actually during World War II and these two sisters, um, they were not German, they were living in Holland and they were Christians, but they actually decided to harbor Jewish people and keep them safe. So number one, like they're really kind of playing the role of an intercessor, like they put their own life in danger and harm's way um, to bring safety to these Jewish people. But basically they got caught hiding these people in their home. And so they themselves, um, as Dutch believers ended up in a Nazi concentration camp. Like how intense is that? Um, and so Corrie ten Boon, her whole story, her sister's name is Betsy, um, but their whole story is really about forgiveness. And her sister, Betsy, did die in the Nazi concentration camp, but Corrie did not. And so that's kind of the backdrop. Um, but there's a portion of the book that basically what happened was is they got moved to a new barrack. It's very, very descriptive. It basically talks about the fact that their place for sleeping was so confined that they couldn't even like sit up in their bed. Like they didn't have enough space to even sit up. And that there was this straw that stank like so bad. And so anyway, they're in this, um, their barrack that they got assigned to. And what had happened was one of the sisters recognized that basically their bed was filled with fleas. And when she recognized that the bed was filled with fleas, she began to like basically complain and get upset and just worry, whatever. And the other sister actually replied, and, and she wasn't even talking to her, she was talking to God, like asking, show us what to do, show us what to do. And so the second sister was kind of like, what, what do you mean what to do? And she was like, there's an answer even in this. And so her response to her sister was, he, she actually grabbed her little Bible that she was miraculously able to hide um, when she was stripped down and through um, the chambers going in. She pulled out her little Bible and she actually turned to 1 Thessalonians 5, 14 through 18. And when she turned to 1 Thessalonians 5, 14 through 18, which reads, comfort the frightened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See that none of you repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to all. This is key. <laughs> Rejoice always. Pray constantly. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. You know, that's powerful because most of us actually live our lives kind of wanting to know what is the will of God, right? We're kind of like, what's God's will for my life? There's like a, a very clear answer here. It's God's will that you would give thanks in all circumstances. And so the key point here is like, we're not actually supposed to only give thanks in good circumstances. And we're not actually only supposed to give thanks when things go our way or according to our understanding or according to our desire but in all circumstances that we would actually give thanks. And so they read this passage of scripture about giving thanks. And so that's when she actually responded to her. And she said, she said, we need to give thanks for the fleas. So that sounds so dramatic, right? Give thanks for the fleas. How could you possibly give thanks for fleas? And so then when the other sister questioned that and basically said, what do you mean give thanks for the fleas? Like, how do we give thanks? And she said, let's just thank him for all of these things that we're confined to this barrack and we're together. So that's something to be thankful for. That because we're in such close quarters, so many people can hear our voice and that they can hear the gospel and because they would daily pray with these people. So she's finding all of the redemptive qualities of the midst of being in a Nazi concentration camp. So what they chose to do is thank God 
for the fleas. I mean, how could you be thankful for fleas? But the power of this story is that they did not realize, and it, it was some, like, some weeks later, that they were able through the night season to pray and to worship and to teach the word, but they were able to do it undisturbed. The guards actually would never come to their barrack. And what they did not understand, and it wasn't until one of them was actually sewing socks and overheard a conversation, she found out the guards refused to go into that barrack because of the fleas. They knew it was infested with fleas. So those fleas that are a form of almost like torment, I mean, let's be honest, they're disgusting, right? Something that could be utterly despised by them, it ultimately became a blessing and it gave them a place of refuge where the guards would not come harass and afflict and abuse them throughout the night, but they would leave them in a safe place. And so this is where Betsy and Corey Ten Boom, this is where they took the posture of thanking God for the fleas. And so this is what I want to remind us as Hilltop Church is in 1 Thessalonians 5, 14 through 18, where it says to give thanks in all circumstances. I want to challenge us as a community that even the things that we don't agree with that God allows even the things that don't make sense to us, even the hardship like the fleas, I'll just use that <laughs> in our lives, that we would begin to trust God and trust that he's greater, trust that those things do not have to be limitations to us, that those things do not have to cripple us. You know, so oftentimes I think what we actually find is that it's not even the circumstances of life itself that become crippling, it's our perspective of the circumstance and our emotional response to that circumstance. And, you know, I can speak for my own life is that, I mean, in any array of things, I mean, you could just pick one out of the hat. There's plenty of things that in my heart, in my mind of it was not supposed to go this way. You know, we all have our ideals of what certain things and how they're supposed to play out. And that's perfectly fine to have those ideals. But then we have reality, right? We have the reality of sometimes our children are not in perfect health. Sometimes our children struggle and that's painful for us to watch. Sometimes our jobs do not play out the way that we thought or expected. Sometimes our family circumstances, sometimes our marriages. I mean, the, the list is endless, but in those things, if we begin, instead of being crippled by them and crippled by the fact that we're disappointed, I mean, despair is a crippling thing when we live in a place of feeling despondent and discouraged. But instead, if we take on the posture of saying, God, I'm going to thank you even in the midst of this hardship, I'm gonna thank you that there's an opportunity for me to know you more. There's an opportunity for me to experience you and help open my eyes that I might see in the midst of this. And so what I actually wanna focus on just for a couple of moments is um, in Matthew 16, 21, we see that number one, Jesus also suffered, but we also see Jesus's response to suffering. So Matthew 16, 21 says, from that time, Jesus began to show, to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and from the scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, say it, far be it from you, Lord, that this should happen to you, right? Like you're the Messiah. 
you shouldn't suffer these things. Like, this is not right for this to be happening. All of us have those defenses of this is not fair. This is not right. This is not just. This is not. <laughs> um, and in verse 23, it says, but he turned and he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Take up the cross and follow him. Verse 24 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow him. Verse 25, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So what you see is that basically Peter is pleading that Christ, the Messiah, the Lord, it is not right for him to suffer these things. And he's ultimately, I mean, his very words are, far be it that this should happen to you. And how many of us, even in the posture of our suffering, our attitude ultimately is, far be it that this should happen to me. Like, kind of like, why me? Why is this happening to me? Why are there these challenges? Why are there, and to be honest with you, it deals kind of with the root of entitlement or the root that somehow we are deserving of a life of ease and safety and a life without suffering. And ultimately what it exposes is our humanistic roots that somehow this life is ultimately about my happiness, my joy, and my contentment. But the amazing thing is that we find in the life of Jesus, and this is our secret here, is that he says to Peter, get behind me, Satan, for you are mindful of the ways of man and you're not mindful of the ways of God. And so for us, oftentimes our discontentment with our circumstances has everything to do that we are mindful of ourself, we're mindful of this world, we're mindful of the immediate things around us. We're mindful of our own comfort instead of being mindful of so, something that is so much higher, so much greater and asking, God, would you glorify your name in my life in the midst of my suffering? Would you use my suffering to glorify your name? And that's the amazing thing that somehow our lives, that the veil be, to be able to see God and experience God it actually will become a lot thinner in our lives when in the midst of suffering, we turn our gaze to him to begin to look upon him and to be able to behold him and to see what it is that he is wanting to orchestrate and how it is that he wants to reveal himself. And in closing, um, we actually see in Genesis that ultimately the original sin, which I'll read you the account in Genesis here, but what we see is that the original sin ultimately with Adam and Eve is really the sin of ingratitude, of this is the portion that God has called to me, this is the portion that God has allotted to me, and instead of finding contentment with this, there's something else I think that I deserve, or there's something else that I think would be good for me, or there's something else that I think that I'm entitled to. That's ultimately what happened with Eve. Um, if you pick up in Genesis chapter three, it says, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the, of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it nor shall you touch it lest you die. In verse four, 
Then the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. So amazing how (laughs) usurping what God has said. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So basically what the serpent is saying is God is withholding something good from you that there's something better or there's something that you deserve to partake of and God is withholding it from you. And the amazing thing is Eve's first response was basically just to say God said. And the contentment was in that this is what God has said, this is what God has given, and I trust that he is good. And then it moves after that and after the serpent basically said something is being withheld from you, something you deserve, something you should have, something that is good for you that God's not letting you have, the temptation of what am I missing out on? And this is extraordinary because what it does is it reminds us is that in our lives that oftentimes the sin of ingratitude comes down to thinking that there's something that we deserve or something that would be better for us than what God has allotted or even what God has allowed. And the crazy thing in the midst of all of that is that oftentimes it's not our circumstances that become crippling. It's our ingratitude and even our judgment against God, our judgment that somehow, and I'm sure all of you can kind of identify that when you have that that place emotionally in your life where you begin to be discouraged or discontent of, or, and let's even just use the sin of comparison. When you kind of compare your life, your reality, your family, um, your education, your career, all of those things to other people, as opposed to just identifying that this is the portion and this is the life that you are walking out and beginning to ask God, how can you glorify your name in my life that I would find contentment in you first and foremost? And actually, this is kind of where I want to close with kind of these application questions for ourselves over the course of this Thanksgiving week is number one, where are we living from? Meaning the objective of what is what is the end goal? Is the end goal um, your happiness, your safety and your satisfaction? What are our lives for? Are our lives for our own gratification? and for our own self-fulfillment, or are they ultimately unto the glory of his name and his name being known and that our life would be a light that he can shine through? Um, And and even a greater question is that instead of being zealous kind of for our own lives and even our own circumstances to line up with our expectations, if we begin to have more of a vision for the gospel being preached, and a zeal for the gospel will begin to even view suffering in a very, very different light, like beyond kind of the American context and the American reality of kind of pleasure and ease and safety and security to a much larger purpose of our our life being used to shine as a light in the midst of darkness. How powerful is it that Corrie Ten Boom, that her life and the message of her life, even of forgiveness, that she was able to forgive even those that imprisoned her and tortured her. Her message has been used to bring the gospel to so many, but let's let's take a step back. Is it when she was in the concentration camp, if she became angry and embittered with God for her circumstances, that would have actually been what crippled and destroyed her life, not the Nazi concentration camp, but her posture her attitude, her perspective on suffering. 
And this is the beauty that we find in this story and that we find in scripture, is that God is calling us to ask a much different question, that there's a different question that he wants us to look at. And if you actually look at these sisters specifically, um, they, it, I'm, I'm just gonna read this to you because this is what I typed out. <clears throat> they were asking more essential questions of how can I serve God's kingdom here and now? They moved beyond the question of their own life and their security and began to ask the question of serving God's kingdom and being used as an instrument and a voice on behalf of him. And so I'm gonna pray for us as Hilltop Church. I'm gonna pray that any place that we've had hardship, that we've had difficulty, where we've had fleas <laughs> in our life, that we would begin to thank God and trust that he even can be glorified in those places. Father, I thank you for this community. God, I thank you, Lord, that these are people that love you and love your word. And God, I just pray, Lord, that even as we approach, Lord, this holiday of Thanksgiving, God, we recognize, Lord, that the posture of gratitude is largely understated in our society and our culture. But God, we recognize, Lord, that when we look to your word, God, when we look to um, the simplicity of Jesus's life, that he lived from an entirely different posture. And God, I ask, Lord, that we as a community would not be those that express um, gratitude over the things that um, make sense to us rationally and mentally and that we agree with you on. But yet, I pray that any place that we've become embittered, any place that we've become angry, resentful, and even discouraged over places that we do not understand, Lord, today as a community, God, we just say we relinquish the demand and the need to understand. God, we just want to move beyond that place of demanding of you that we have to understand and agree with your ways. But God, we say that your ways are so much higher. God, your wisdom is so much higher. And so God, we ask, Lord, that we would come into the posture of wisdom, of giving thanksgiving in all circumstances, Father. And Lord, that in that, Lord, that you would turn things around together for our good. Not that our circumstances would change, but even that our inward posture, our inward attitude, our perspectives, and our heart climate would change, even in the midst of suffering, Lord. God, we love you, and we love your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Hilltop, we hope that you have an extraordinary, extraordinary Thanksgiving week that you can celebrate, rejoice, and find time even to carry to God in prayer the areas in your life that you've never expressed gratitude, but just begin to trust God and His leadership and His wisdom over your life. We love you.